Hello, friends. Welcome to the ATC Double Cut. I am Micah Woods, and in today's episode, I am going to discuss sand top dressing, which is a very important and interesting topic. And the post that I'm going to talk about is about different ways of expressing sand top dressing amounts and how to be consistent with that. The, uh, the post is titled, uh, what is it titled? Three Reasons Why Sand Top Dressing is Best Expressed as a Depth. And I will put a direct link to this post in the show notes and in the video description. And you can also search for that at my website, asianturfgrass.com. Now, this is partly something that I, I really want to insist on, that I think this is the right way to do it, and partly it's personal preference. So uh, as, we, as we go through this post, you will be able to decide which parts of this are, are kind of applicable to everyone and which parts are Micah's personal preference. Um, but uh, hear me out on this for three reasons why sand top dressing is best expressed as a depth. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll tell you right now up front that uh, my personal preference for simplicity is to express it as a depth, okay? But the main thing that I think is essential for everyone is to keep track of how much sand is applied. And th basically at the end of every year or the end of every growing season, and, and this is whether you're managing sports turf, whether you are doing golf turf, or whether you're top dressing other types of surfaces, I think it makes sense to know how much sand has been applied. And I recommend being uh, using certain units for more clear communication about that. So in this post, which I wrote a few years ago, um, let's see, I, I said... Here are the three reasons I think it is best to express sand top dressing applied to turf grass as a depth. The number one reason I gave is that expressing the sand as a depth, it standardizes the amount. So just like uh, precipitation, when it rains, we talk about that as a depth. You don't need to consider how much area that rain fell over. So you, you don't talk about the the liters of rain or the gallons of rain that that fell on a thousand square feet or that fell on the golf course. You just talk about the depth. So by getting rid of the denominator, by getting rid, by, by not considering the area over which the sand was applied or which the rain fell on and just expressing it as a depth, there is a simplicity to that. And I really like that simplicity by expressing simply as a depth, okay? So that that part is a personal preference, but as I wrote in the post, I said, depth of sand standardizes the amount applied independent of the mass of the sand or the area over which the sand was spread. And this also um, doesn't, uh, right? You could have dry sand or you could have wet sand. And if you're applying wet sand, that's going to apply it's going to weigh more than if you're applying dry sand. And that is something that if you're expressing it as a mass, 
you sort of need to add, add a further clarification about whether that's a mass of wet sand or whether that's a mass of dry sand. But if you're expressing as a depth, then you don't need to do that because it's assumed that you've accounted for that when you've expressed it as a depth. So I, I like depth for a lot of consistency reasons, and it's just it, it's a simple unit. But uh, that I will admit that that's a personal preference. And as long as you're keeping track of exactly how much sand's applied, then whether you do that as a mass or whether you're doing that as a volume per area or mass per area, that, that's okay. But I think my, my personal preference is if you take a further step, express it as a depth, it's easier to communicate about that. Now, on to the second reason, because as I mentioned in this blog post, uh, I'm giving three reasons why sand top dressing is best expressed as a depth. Sand for golf course putting greens is often applied for the purposes of diluting organic matter in the soil. So sand has no organic matter in it. The top of the soil under a professionally managed grass turf system will typically have a considerable amount of organic material in it. And to keep that organic material from accumulating to be a thatch layer, a layer that is 100% organic material, it is common to mix some sand with it. And that's, that's often uh, done by putting small amounts of sand. And the term that's commonly used for that is dilution by rather than having 100% organic material, by mixing a little bit of sand with it, we are diluting the organic material with sand. And one way to measure exactly what's happening with the organic material, my preferred way to measure what's happening with the organic material over time is it, as it accumulates or decreases or stays the same at the surface of professionally managed turf is by what I call OM246 testing. And that is total organic material testing in two centimeter increments, or if you like, one inch increments. Uh, uh, I, I don't know why you would do that when you can get more precision by doing two centimeter increments, which is 0 0.8 inches. And, and you'll see that the math works really nice if we're expressing in uh, metric depths. <laughs> I guess if, if you're not going to do metric at all, you could do inches and then you could express your sand as a depth in inches also. And, and if you do that, um, things would work out in the way that, uh, that I'm going to explain right now. But just, just think of this. If you're expressing your sand applied as top dressing as a depth, then it becomes apparent that if you have a two centimeter depth of, of root zone that you're trying to amend, and you're trying to consider how much organic material is in that root zone, then actually not just in that root zone, but in that root zone slice that's two centimeters deep, that is 20 millimeters in depth. So if you slice away one of those millimeters and if you replace it 
with one millimeter of sand, then you will have reduced your organic material by about 5%, right? Because that's one twentieth. You've, you've added one twentieth of that slice is now free of organic material because it is one millimeter of new sand. And that new sand doesn't have organic material in it. So it actually, because sand weighs more, sand has a, a greater mass than the organic material. So you'll actually reduce the total organic material in a two centimeter layer by a little bit more than 5% for every one millimeter of sand that's applied. So that works pretty easily. Um, to consider that like if, if your OM2, which is your total organic material in the top two centimeters of the root zone, if your OM2 happens to be at 10%, which is higher than usual, but it's not uncommon to find that much total organic material in the top two centimeters of a root zone. If it's at 10%, your total organic material is 10%, that means there's 100 grams of total organic material in every one kilogram of that root zone layer. For every one millimeter of sand you apply, that's going to go down by one twentieth. So, so it's going to go down by half a percent. So if you add two millimeters of sand, then you can expect that your total organic material will now be 9%. And it's actually going to be a little bit less than that because of the mass differential between pure sand and sand mixed with organic material. If you had three millimeters of sand, then you would drop your total organic material down to 8.5%. So that, and, and of course, if you add, uh, if you add two centimeters of sand or 20 millimeters of sand, you would now drop your total organic material to zero, but you wouldn't have grass anymore because you would have just buried, uh, you would have replaced all of the plant material and all of the organic material in that root zone with just sand. So now you've got a sand grain. So I think it's, it's really useful when you're doing the OM246 type of testing to consider um, that is a simple way to make some estimates of how much sand may need to be applied. So that's, that's one, one reason why I like it. And, it. and it's easy to visualize. If you're taking away uh, 5% or taking away 5%, uh, sorry, taking away 5 or 10% of a certain layer and replacing it with sand, then you can do that type of math in your head because you're just changing it in 5 or 10% increments. And then the third reason that I give is for communication purposes because we often are interested in what other greenkeepers, what other golf course superintendents, what other turf grass managers around the world are doing to produce excellent surfaces. What works, what doesn't work. It, it's useful to be able to communicate about this consistently and expressing sand as a depth makes it perfectly consistent. It's, it's explicit. It's, it's extremely clear what is, is being considered because 
there are no ambiguities about what the mass is and no ambiguities about what area the sand has been applied over. So I, I wrote in the blog post in item number three, I said communication of top dressing amounts in the same standardized unit of depth, millimeters or inches, makes it easy to understand how others are getting the desired results at their location. And I then, in the blog post, go through a list of units for sand that I recently had read about in articles or in information that people shared or in email conversations or in seminars that I'd attended or slideshows that I'd watched when people are talking about sand amounts. And I'm going to go through them here. You can Go check this. It's a, it's a long bullet point list. If you want to check this, go to the blog post and check it out. But I'm going to go through these uh, here verbally. So I said, I looked at a few articles and messages and tweets and noted the units that I found for sand top dressing rates. Depth in millimeters, cubic feet per thousand square feet, Pounds per green, tons per acre, that's tons spelled T-O-N-S, tons per acre, just tons, tons with absolutely no denominator, tons spelled T-O-N-N-E-S with no denominator, tons with two two N's per hectare, tons T-O-N-S per hectare, pounds per thousand square feet, weekly dusting, as needed, tons per thousand square feet, this tons is T-O-N-S, and then tons with two N's per green. And if you look at that, you, you realize, okay, we have some as mass per area, some as mass on its own, which is to me, that's useless because we don't know how much area that was applied over. We have mass per green, which is not not terribly... It's a little bit better than just mass on its own, but if we don't know the green size, uh, that's not going to be as helpful as it could be. And then there's the question of what a ton is, because I think in the United States, a ton is 2,000 pounds. I think in much of the other parts of the world, a ton is 1,000 kilograms. And I always, I always have a idea in the back of my mind that sometimes people are interchanging between a cubic yard or a cubic meter and a ton and, and kind of using those terms interchangeably, but just using the term ton perhaps to mean a cubic yard or a cubic meter, in which case we're talking about a completely different mass. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure if, if that actually happens or not, but I'm always a little bit concerned about it when people just say a ton. And then is it a ton of dry sand or is it a ton of wet sand? You won't have so much difference in, in water content in wet sand, but... Um, that's also something that adds some uncertainty to it. So I, I think with all of those 
different ways of expressing sand amounts and seeing how frequently sand is applied to professionally managed turf and seeing how important it is to apply just the right amount of sand. If you don't apply enough sand, the surfaces won't be as good as they could be. If you apply too much sand, the surfaces also will not be as good as they could be. So it's very important to apply the right amount of sand. And to do that, I think it's important to communicate clearly about how much sand is being applied and being able to check your own records looking back of how much sand has been applied to achieve certain results. So those are... Um, I, I guess that's my case for saying let's do it as a depth because if you express the sand as a depth, you already have had to consider how much area it was applied over. So if you apply, for example, 1,000 kilograms of sand, if you apply 1,000 kilograms of sand and you apply that over... 500 square meters, if you've, uh, let's see, let's, to make my math, to make my math more correct uh, and easier for me to do in my head, let's say that you've applied a thousand kilograms of sand and you apply that over 1000 square meters, which would be something like applying 2,200 pounds of sand over about maybe 1,100, ooh, 1,076 square feet, something like that, maybe. I should have, uh, should have prepared my numbers for this example better. Anyway, if you apply like that, uh, you can then divide the, the, uh, the mass of the sand by 1.56, and that's going to give you the volume. So if you have a 1,000 kilograms of sand, it's expected that sand generally will be 1.56 grams per cubic centimeter or uh, 1.56 kilograms per liter. So if you divide the mass of sand by 1.56, that will give us the volume of sand. And if we if we do that, I think it's going to be like 666. So we should have like a, like a depth of about 0 0.7 millimeters. I'm, I'm actually pulling out a calculator right now. And, and I'm going to double check this. If we have 1,000 divided by 1.56, yeah, 641. 641 uh, would be the liter. So 1,000 kilograms of dry sand would be 641 liters because I've divided it by 1.56 to convert it to a volume. And one liter spread over one square meter would be one millimeter in depth. So we know if we have 641 liters spread over a thousand square meters, that would be 0 0.64 millimeters in depth. And by expressing it that way, I find, I find the, the depth is a very simple way to express it. So the, but you could just stop at the mass per area 
and then just clarify whether that is dry sand or whether that is wet sand and just make sure that you're consistent with that. So I, I see people talking about like they've put out 30 tons of sand or 40 tons of sand, which is a substantial amount of sand, but without knowing how much area that's been applied to, I'm not quite sure uh, how to really take that number and and compare it to other places. So I, I like to express the sand as a depth. Now, I don't just mean spreading the sand on top of the turf as a depth. Even if you're doing uh, core aerification uh, and or or solid tine aerification and filling those holes with sand, I still find it useful to express the sand as a depth for these same reasons of consistent communication. And then you look over the course of a year, you may be applying. It would be standard to apply about six millimeters of sand, which is about a quarter inch. And it's not it's not all on the surface. Some of that will typically go into some holes. To put those numbers in context, these depths into context, compared with recommendations that I've made over the years or recommendations that are kind of standard in the industry, um, many of you will be familiar with the recommendation from the United States, the, the USDA Green Section from the early 2000s, about 22 years ago. They published a few articles about organic matter management and, and top dressing and core aerification, core aeration for the 21st century. And at that time, the recommendation for high maintenance turf in the American Southeast was to apply from 40 to 50 cubic feet per thousand square feet. That works out to a depth of 12 millimeters to 15 millimeters, which is from a half inch to five eighths of an inch. That was the amount that they were recommending back then. And then Rock Gaswa and Chaz Schmidt, when they did that survey uh, of how people were actually top dressing all across the United States, they found that organic matter content of the root zone was at an acceptable level when the amount of sand applied per year was at least 20 cubic feet per thousand square feet, which works out to be six millimeters or a quarter inch. And what I find is a lot of places around the world will be applying about that much sand. The USGA, uh, I think in 2019, there was an article by Adam Miller and maybe Todd Lowe uh, about top dressing. And they they recommended in that article from 25 to 35 cubic feet, which is going to per thousand square feet per year, which is going to be about seven to nine millimeters. So at, in 2019, they were recommending to apply about that much. And as long as you apply that much, they were saying your organic material at the root zone is not going to accumulate excessively and you'll still be able to maintain surfaces that are firm enough for what you're trying to accomplish. So those are some numbers, right? Six millimeters, seven millimeters, nine millimeters, uh, 12 millimeters, 15 millimeters. That's kind of the range um, of, of what has been um, recommended in, in magazine articles and, and from some famous consulting groups. And certainly I was making those recommendations up until 2014 
when I started saying, whoa, 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 let's be a little bit more site specific here. And maybe we don't need to apply so much sand. But in some cases, you might need to apply more. And I think that the only way to find out if you need to apply more, if you're applying just the right amount, or if you might be able to get by with less, is to know exactly how much you apply. So I recommend depth. My personal preference is depth. But if you're not, uh, if you're not wanting to do depth, then I recommend at, at least do mass per area and then make a note whether that was dry or whether that was wet. I learned about this be, um, as, as I do many things. I learned about it in Japan where there is a lot of record keeping and a lot of data that is compiled about golf course maintenance. I have a couple of blog posts about that. Um, I, I mentioned that the surprisingly useful clipping volume or clip fall I learned about in Japan and sand top dressing by depth is another thing I've learned from green keepers in Japan. In the blog post, I showed a picture of the annual greenkeeper book that's published by one of the monthly golf magazines. Actually, it's called uh, monthly golf management and they, they publish a nice annual yearbook that shows maintenance records, uh, a maintenance summary. It's a four page summary for each golf course. And they don't do this for every course in Japan, but they have about 12 up to 20 courses that have provided this information each year. And it shows the weather at that golf course, how many times the greens were mowed, uh, what type of coring was done, what type of other cultivation was done, how much irrigation was applied. And they have a section for sand top dressing showing both the amounts and the number of times that sand was applied. And that's always in millimeters. And I just find it very convenient because at the end of the year, remember how I mentioned that the uh, recommendation from the USGA green section at one time was 40 to 50 cubic feet per thousand square feet. And that works out to be 12 to 15 millimeters. And I also mentioned that the Chad Schmidt and Brock Gassois research showed that six millimeters was a good number. And the article by Miller and Lowe, I think, was uh, saying seven to nine millimeters was a good number. So we're dealing with integer values that are on a scale that's quite intuitive. One millimeter, two millimeters, six millimeters, seven millimeters, nine millimeters, 12 millimeters. These, to me, that's, that's a nice set of units to work with. We never have to start talking about 60 tons per acre or something. We, we don't have to worry about the denominator. And we don't need to worry about whether we're talking about a metric ton or a, a ton in U.S. standard units. We don't need to worry about any of that because it's just explicitly expressed as a depth. So I learned about that in Japan, and then I thought, you know, that's that's a nice little number to use. So I've got a number of blog posts that are somewhat related to this. I've I've got um, I've got a lot of those that will show up in this particular blog post. So you can go to that to read more about it and. I have just been on a tour in Japan where I visited 27 golf courses 
In fact, I will I'll bring up the most recent post that's titled More Observations About Course Maintenance in Japan and just give a, a quick uh, review of this because this post, which I'll also put a direct link to in the show notes and in the video description, uh, is is one of the ways that I've learned. Uh, one of the ways that I've learned so much is by going to visit greenkeepers and asking them how they're managing. And I didn't ask about, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't ask about sand top dressing so much on this particular trip. Um, and actually, that's a bit of follow-up information that I'm going to be getting from some of the courses that I've visited. I, I had done a blog post a week ago and at that time, I'd visited 11 golf courses, and I, I went on to visit 16 more. So those, after visiting those 11 golf courses, the questions that I had asked the greenkeepers were, how many holes are there per, facil per facility? Because Japan has lots of multi-course facilities. So in this case, the mean number of golf holes after the first 11 courses I visited was 30.3. So it's almost all were like 36 hole courses. And then the maintenance staff per 18 holes was 9.5. And the annual nitrogen rate for the courses that had bent grass greens was 10.8 grams per square meter or 11 grams, which would be 2.2 pounds per thousand square feet or 108 kilo, <clears throat> excuse me, 108 kilograms per hectare. And as far, as far as how busy these courses are or were, um, the average was 27,963 rounds per 18 holes. That was after visiting 11 courses. Most of them were in the Hokuriku and uh, Nagano region and in Gunma. So these are areas that uh, have snow in the winter. They're closed for a few months in the winter. They're a little bit far from Tokyo. Uh, they're not in the Kanto Plain. They're not in the Osaka Kansai region. They're not right around Fukuoka. They're not around the major population centers. So it was expected that there's more land available, more space available to put golf courses. So that might explain why there's more 36-hole facilities. And also there is are not so many rounds. So maybe that's why the maintenance staff was a little bit low. So I thought, let me update this after I visited more courses. And in the last week, when I visited 16 golf facilities, which were in the Tokyo area and in the Osaka area and in the Western Japan area around Fukuoka, these numbers changed and they changed in the way that I expected them to. So after I had visited the full 27 courses on this trip, the 11 in, in the first week and then the 16 in the next week, I looked at how those averages were after visiting all the courses and the mean number of golf holes per facility from this trip changed down from 30 to 24. So I visited a lot more 18 hole courses and some 27 hole courses and a couple more 36 hole courses, but the average golf holes per facility was 24. So, uh, more than 18, less than 27. The mean number of maintenance staff, which is just people, it's not uh, full-time equivalents. It's, uh, it's adding together the full-time staff plus the part-time staff who might just come in for a few hours, some uh, not even every day. This 
on a per 18 hole basis was 12, 12 people per 18 holes. And that was up from 9.5, but that's to be expected as I want to busier golf courses that will have more revenue. The mean annual nitrogen rate for bent grass greens was 12.5 grams per square meter up from 10.8. That is exactly 2.5 pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet. And the mean annual rounds went up to 38,583 per 18 holes, which is up from the previous 27,963. The maximum number of rounds for all the courses I visited, the maximum number of rounds was 67,000 per 18 holes, and the minimum was 20,000 per 18 holes. So actually, the course that was... Yeah. Okay. The course that was busiest was near Tokyo. And, and that was the one that had the 67,000 number. Uh, I visited a course in near Osaka. That's a 36 hole facility that does from 130,000 to 140,000 rounds. So I use that lower number, 130,000 divided by two, because it's 36 holes. So to express it on an 18 hole basis, we get 65,000. 65,000 rounds. But if they were closer to that 140,000 number, then they would be up around 70,000 rounds per course. Now, it's interesting. That course doesn't do frost delays in the winter. It's hard to do that many rounds and bring in that much revenue when you don't let the customers play. And the topic of this particular ATC double cut is not going to be about frost delays and whether they're necessary or not. Um, But I certainly had some interesting conversations with greenkeepers about frost delays and the types of damage that they do and do not see when they allow golfers to walk across frosted turf and play golf on frosted turf in the winter. So that's something that I will save for another episode and I will I will discuss that topic another time, uh, the, the frost delays one. So I thank you for listening and I hope that you will keep track of how much sand you apply. And I hope that you will find it useful to consider whether you might express your sand as a depth. And that might be a simple way to consider the number. I thank you for listening. I will sign off now for ATC from Yantikau, Thailand. I am Michael Woods.